0: How to revive, warm up, and re-engage an old mailing list without getting into trouble. We are often asked how to revive, warm up, and re-engage an email list that has not been emailed to in a long time. In order to do this, you will want to conduct what is known as a re-engagement campaign. This is exactly what it sounds like. You already have the email addresses on your email list, and at some point they all gave you permission to put them on your mailing list, right? So presumably at some point you were engaging with them, but you have not engaged with them for some period of time. Here's how to warm that list back up and turn those people into a warm, responsive email audience. It's really important that you warm up an old neglected email list correctly because it's really easy to do it wrong, which can get you and your email into a lot of trouble and will cause your email to end up in the spam folder. And not just the email that you send to that old list, Sending too much too soon or too enthusiastically to that old list can cause other email that you send to start landing in the spam folder as well. It's so important to remember that your email sending reputation is, ultimately, a universal email reputation. What do we mean by universal reputation? There are many different ways that the inbox providers, ISPs, and spam filters identify an email sender, and they cross-reference and aggregate all of the information about your email sending practices from a variety of sources. And that's not all. They also share this information with others in the email receiving industries. So it's not like you can silo your sending to one list and keep it from affecting your email reputation elsewhere. This is why it's critical that you treat that old list with kid gloves, warm it up correctly, and re-engage the people on the list gently. This will also get you the best results in terms of engagement, both at first and in the future. Here's how to do it right. Note that this same method can be employed to re-engage the inactive people on your otherwise active regular mailing list. To do this, create an inactive segment based on the last open date is before X, and then follow the steps below. You should also not be sending to them with your regular sends to your active list. And you can make sure that you aren't sending email to inactive people with your regular mailings by only sending your regular email to an active segment based on the last open date is after X. A general rule of thumb that we recommend is that if someone has not opened your last four emails, they should be removed from the active segment because at that point they are either going to start hurting your email deliverability or they already are. First, remove any obviously dead or fake email addresses. While we generally do not recommend using an email verification or so-called list hygiene service, this is one situation where it may make sense. Next, make sure that your authentication is set up correctly. This means your SPF. It also means your DKIM, DMARC, and RDNS, etc. But at minimum it means SPF. Now a word about your formatting. Ideally, you will send your first email to that list as plain text and with, at most, just one or two links, which should go back to your website, not your social media accounts, not another website. The links should go back to your website. Also, the domain in those links to your website should be the same domain as your email sending from address, the address that your email is coming from. These steps are to help minimize your email landing in the spam folder. When you send email to people who haven't heard from you in a long time, some of them will report it as spam. Others of them will delete it without opening it. Each of these actions can cause the spam filters to give you negative spam points, so you want your email to be as squeaky clean and unspam-like as possible out of the gate. Take extra care to craft a really great subject line. Once an email gets past the gauntlet of spam filters and inbox spam filtering algorithms and lands in the inbox, your subject line has to do all of the heavy lifting of getting people to open your email. This is especially true when you are reawakening an old email list because there is every chance that the people on your list won't recognize your name unlike folks who have heard from you recently. So really take the time to create a compelling subject line. Think about the email that you receive and what sorts of subject lines move you to open an email. Keep the content brief and breezy. Don't make a big deal about the fact that you haven't emailed them in ages. In fact, it's often best not to mention it at all. Instead, chat a bit about what's new, what's been going on in your business or your life, depending on who your audience is, and then give them a great reason to continue the relationship and to continue opening your email. What that great reason will look like is different for every business and every list. But if you can't come up with a good reason for them to continue with you, then, well, why should they? Be consistent. After that first re-engagement email, wait a couple of days before sending the next one. And then after that, be consistent in sending them email. How often you should email a list is almost entirely dependent on your industry, your individual business, and your audience, but a good rule of thumb is to send to them about once a week or more if appropriate to your business and their expectations. And speaking of expectations, be sure to set those expectations as to how often they will be hearing from you. One of the primary non-content based reasons that people stop opening email is because you are either sending email to them too often or too infrequently. Of course, as we are talking about warming up an old list, that falls into the too infrequently category, but once you've re-engaged them, be sure to find a sending schedule that is appropriate for your audience, not for you, for your audience do you have questions hit us up with an email at support at get to the dot com the hidden legal dangers in not confirming email addresses it's not what you think there is a hidden legal danger in not confirming email addresses and yes even in the united states we talk a lot about email deliverability because hey were the original email deliverability company and consultants. And in that context, we always explain how using double opt-in, also known as confirmed opt-in, helps immensely with deliverability by reducing spam complaints and increasing interaction rates. But now we're going to talk about something that people rarely think about. Not confirming someone's email address before you use it or add it to a mailing list can have serious legal consequences for you, having nothing to do with can spam, GDPR, CASL, or any email-specific law. It can also have serious legal consequences for others, consequences that in turn can come back to you in serious, unexpected, but entirely avoidable legal ways. You see, when you send information to an email address, particularly personal information, and you don't first confirm that the person who is receiving that information is the person to whom you think you are sending that information, things can go horribly wrong. And you would be surprised at just how often people will give you the wrong email address, even unintentionally. They may accidentally mistype it and without realizing it enter an email address that goes to someone else. This often happens at free email account providers, such as Gmail, where people have to sometimes go to ridiculous lengths to create an email address for themselves that is actually available and not already taken by someone else. These people come up with email addresses that are very similar to the email address they actually wanted, but which was unavailable because someone else already has it. They may add some numbers to it and then mistype one of the numbers when giving their email address. Or they may simply mistype it because they have the email address that they wanted in their head. Similarly, and again, quite often at Gmail, people seem to be really confused by the fact that adding a dot or two to an email address at Gmail has no effect on who will receive that email. Don't ask us why this is the case. We know it makes little sense, but we've seen it enough times to know it to be the case. Finally, without meaning to pick on Gmail, but hey... When someone first signs up for a Gmail account, if the username they pick isn't available, the system will tell them that it's not available and will suggest similar usernames. But sometimes, the system will autofill the form with a suggested username. And if the person isn't paying attention and just clicks on submit, they will get the suggested username, but think they are getting the username they originally entered. And that's just with Gmail. Each webmail and free email provider and their flavor of user has their own idiosyncrasies, which can lead to someone unintentionally entering someone else's email address into your system. Right about now, you may be thinking, oh, okay, sure. So the wrong person ends up with our email. That's not really a big deal, is it? Well, of course they're going to report you for spamming, so that's not great, and will contribute to your email reputation taking a hit along with your deliverability. But that's well known and not what we're talking about here. It's this hidden legal gotcha that can rise up to really bite you. We're going to use two real world examples, We can vouch for these because we are involved with each of these. Some of the names have been changed, including the names of some of the organizations. For the images of those emails, along with the full explanation, please go to blog at gettotheinbox.com and look at the latest post, which is this one. Mary and Weed Whackers mary placed an order with her local dispensary we'll call them weed whackers when the order was ready the online order tracking and notification service that weed whackers uses get noticed sent an email notification to mary that her order at the dispensary was ready for pickup only that notification didn't go to mary it went to someone else a total stranger named john because mary had mistyped her email address and neither Weed Whackers nor Get Noticed had bothered to confirm Mary's email address. Within five minutes of receiving one of the misdirected emails, using just the information available in that email notification, John knew where Mary lived, her date of birth, that she ran away from home at 17, where she gets her taxes done, where she works, what her position is at her job, and, of course, that she's a pot smoker. Mary's position at her job is one where she is responsible for interacting with customers and handling a lot of cash. John also knew the frequency with which Mary was picking up pot from weed whackers. In any situation where John does something bad to Mary with this information, whether it's going to her place of work and harassing her, attempting to blackmail her with the information he has, or possibly even assaulting her, Both Weed Whackers and Get Noticed would be named as defendants in any lawsuit that Mary brought as their actions were directly responsible for that information falling into John's hands. Because the generally accepted best practice in email handling is to confirm an email address, Mary would have a good chance of prevailing in her lawsuit against both Weed Whackers and Get Noticed. Amber and QVC Amber orders a lot of stuff from QVC. We mean a lot of stuff. Amber gets three to four orders a week from QVC. And QVC emails Amber confirmation notices of each of her orders. Again, images of the actual emails are available at blog.gettotheinbox.com. QVC's delivery carrier, Hermes, also emails Amber notices both of upcoming deliveries and completed deliveries. The only problem is that Amber is not receiving these email notices either from QVC or Hermes because she mistyped her email address. In fact, Jason is receiving these notices. These notices include Amber's full address and even the description and value of the items that Amber has ordered from QVC. Because Amber orders a lot of makeup and skincare items, Jason infers that she is a youngish, single woman. And because he has her full name and address, he finds her Facebook profile, which confirms it. When Jason goes to Amber's house to break in and rob her, not to mention possibly do physical harm to Amber, he knows exactly what high-value items to look for. Amber should readily win a lawsuit against both QVC and Hermes, especially because in the actual situation, both QVC and Hermes were repeatedly put on notice that they were sending the emails to the wrong person, and yet Amber's misdirected emails continued to flow to Jason. Here's the takeaway. There are lots of excuses for not confirming email addresses, and we've heard them all. People don't want to confirm, well then they really don't want your email do they? Our confirmations go in the spam folder, well so does your email and we can help you with that. It's too hard to convince management to switch confirming email addresses. Have them listen to or read this article. Trust us. All it will take is one lawsuit where someone's personal information ending up in the wrong hands could have been prevented if only you had confirmed their email address when they gave it to you. To more than offset any advantage you may think you had by not confirming email addresses. It may even bankrupt you.